purely human commands and we can miss the life that we're meant for in Christ. And it always follows the warnings in the New Testament that in the final days, people will collect teachers that scratch their itch rather than tell them the truth. In the church, we see it in our day in popular books and podcasts, the YouTube videos that we watch or that people send us and be like, oh, you need to see this and find this different way. And it's finally the one. So how do we wade through it all, though? It's the people that are to be truth tellers and truth seekers. How do we discern what is true? These questions are not new, and it's not just a modern problem that is faced because of modern tools that spread meaningless talk far and wide. Even on Crete, as the church is being planted, there is a raft of false teachers disrupting households, just like Russian bots in our day. And that which anchors the church, that silences the lie, that denies the Lord, is actually sound doctrine that Paul will continue to exhort the church in Titus 2. The knowledge of the truth that we've already talked about, this gospel, the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus for us, and the implications that fall after that forgiveness and new life in him. It's that which is sound doctrine. And the reason Titus is on Crete is to appoint elders who will cling to this gospel, this good news of Jesus, and then refute those that oppose it. So last week we saw who are elders to be, who are the ones responsible for holding and championing the truth that the church is to be about. And this week we see who is opposed to it. In our text this morning, Paul outlines exactly who needs to be rebuked. And though... Um, through this, I think we actually gain some insight against the lies that still exist even in our day and still must be silenced. And then we see just a taste of the hope that overcomes all of it. So this morning, I want to start with the lie. The lie is told from a couple of angles, but both of those angles tell essentially the same punchline. And we can uncover this lie in relation to the problem on Crete, right? And just from this, we see the problem that Paul has said you need to appoint elders to refute very specific people, and it's just false teachers, those that are proclaiming something that's opposed to this gospel, and the description directly contrasts with the description of who elders were to be that have come just before, and where elders, and really as we saw, all believers should have that mentality to be increasingly godly champions of truth. False teachers are instead just empty talkers that deceive people. And Paul compares them with worldly Cretes. Even says here, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. It's a, it's a sad report of Crete. Their own people say this is what they are. And Crete was a standout in the ancient world for its moral decadence. And um, Cicero, the Roman philosopher and counsel, said moral principles are so divergent that the Cretans consider highway robbery honorable. Right? Another ancient historian wrote that it was almost impossible to find personal conduct more treacherous or public policy more unjust than on Crete. 
So Cretan culture is no model to hold up. And Paul is saying the false teachers are indistinguishable from that mentality. They look exactly like the world that they've been called out of. One writer says Paul references the quotation to show that the Cretan false teachers behave like stereotypical Cretans. They do not tell the truth. They behave like evil beasts and as such are vicious and unreasoning. They are lazy gluttons who live for their appetites and such behavior is rotten. And Paul says it is clearly evidenced by these false teachers. So Paul is not making an ethnic slur here against Cretans, but is merely accurately observing as the Cretans themselves and others did how the sin that affects the whole human race comes to particular expression in this group. So they're just on display the lie of following after self. And the false teachers who promote themselves as Christians are essentially promoting something that looks exactly like that. This is the fruit of self as priority over all things. It's the message that do as you please and be pleased as you do. It's exactly the mentality that we're familiar with, isn't it? Yo, above God, Bill would say, right? That, that means you. It took me forever to learn Spanish in the way Bill communicates it. <laughs> but it is disregard of what is right, true, and good, and it's the mantra of the age. And if you, you want it, take it, right? If you feel it, act on it without restraint, without reason. And we see it unfold constantly in cultural conversations on gender, on sexuality, on faith, on ethics, on morality, on civility, on economics, etc., etc. It shapes everything about the soup that we swim in, right? Paul elsewhere will tell us this in Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal mans and birds and animals and creeping things. Like this is just the lie that glorifies creature over creator. And it's been our story since the garden. And this is where the teaching and living of the false teachers actually arrives on Crete. When Paul says they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any godly work, any good work. But it's more than just being worldly that the living, the lie looks like here. Because it's actually quite religious what the false teachers are doing, doing, and they say, Paul even says, especially those of the circumcision party. If you want to name a party, don't name, what a terrible name for a party. But we know these are Jewish believers just promoting the requirement of ritual acts to be Christian, 
Like, there's this embrace of elements of the law that give root to then comparison among people in the church. Who's actually Christian? Who's the better Christian, right? What is this emptiness and deceit all about? One writer says the reference to these opponents as being of the circumcision party tells us Paul uses such references elsewhere to identify former Jews who joined the early church with a gospel plus message. Yes, they say, what saves you is faith in the work of Christ plus special religious knowledge, diets, rites, or practices that qualify you for heaven. And this unsound message has nothing to it. Rather, it exalts matters that are worthless to God, and it deceives people into thinking they are that their heavenly status is determined by their human accomplishments. So that's the core of the false teaching on Crete. Like, you have to live exactly like this to be a good Christian. And Paul says it's upsetting whole families. That is disrupting the core of who is in the church and it's teaching guilt to fill the coin purses of the false teachers. It's not just the burden of Jewish tradition that is the rod. It certainly is on Crete as the alignment with the circumcision party makes clear. But in the city of Corinth, it's going to be the possession of certain gifts of the Holy Spirit that becomes the thing that defines how you can categorize Christians and who's really saved. And to some, it's just the grasp of a higher knowledge you're supposed to have or a sinlessness that they say is to be yours that's not available to all. And throughout history, it could even be the alignment to other things like political ideology uh, among everything else. Anything you add to the truth of who Christ is and what he's done for salvation is false. That which I add to Jesus to prove that I'm a better Christian than the next bloke is the false teaching that's happening on Crete. And it's just as corrupting as the mentality of the world is. And it looks exactly the same. Brian Chappell says that if we ever add anything to the work of Christ as the basis for our security with God, we inevitably entrust our eternities to the work of human hands. There are only two possible results from such an error, spiritual pride or personal despair. If our spiritual security depends on anything that we do, then our standing with God is ultimately a matter of comparison, of being better than someone else. Because our actions will never be entirely pure or holy before God, the doctrine of gospel plus creates the Christianity of competition with others, even if the behaviors such are even if behaviors are such of those that doctrine advocates and are morally good, the results are spiritually ruinous. Like, we should be people that drop the weight of sin in our lives, but that's not part of our justification. We drop that weight because we've been justified. We can do all kinds of things. We can, well, if I don't ally with align with this thinking or this way of living, then I must not be a Christian. Or if I think I do align with that, that makes me a better Christian than those others. And friends, churches, we do this constantly, right? We're like, well, we're the one true church. All those others are just heretics and crazy. I love when people call me a heretic and crazy because I probably am in some things. Jackie's going to send me a list. She's going to start it quietly with attention. Right? 
But the lie here is that my behavior and actions save. Right? It's self-justification that the false teachers are promising here in Crete that is ruining families, that's spoiling the work and the call of the church. And that is just as much a denial of, of Christ as the debauchery of worldly Crete. Paul's equating the two and saying they both missed the point. And Paul identifies fallen. This comes from J.D. Greer. Great quote. Paul identifies fallen humanity's fundamental problem as a corrupted heart with disordered, distorted desires, emphasizing ritual purity, food laws, and external conformity to the law does nothing to address the corruption of the heart. To the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. That is, coercing a sinful heart into godly behavior does not make it pure. The external conformity urged by the legalizers merely papers over hearts of idolatry that are seeking to gain God's benefits by human efforts. Even worse, those with defiled hearts will try to use religious activities for their perverse ends, using religious accomplishments for self-justification, self-exaltation, and self-indulgence. And such religion, Paul says, for all its lofty language, is empty and deceptive. And ironically, the false teachers share a fundamental union with the licentious in both the way they live and by the flesh, rather through hope in God's grace. So the lie of both angles, the worldly angle and the religious false teaching angle is just the lie of self. It's rejection of God and rejection of truth. And it makes us slaves to sin and this unending pursuit of justification in ourselves. Let me tell you, it doesn't work. Like some of us are really great. But you don't have what it takes to be justified apart from Christ. It is not about your morality, your behavior, your resume, your stock, your parentage, your husbandry. Is that even a word right in farm? You're, you're not cattle. But none of those accolades. Jesus was not on the cross and said, ooh, that Gustavo Bernal, he's going to have some sweet game later on. I think I'll save him. No. He didn't look at Dave Hansen and say, oh, that dude is brilliant. I should save him because he's so smart. Right? No, he's just smarter at how he sins than you are. Right? <laughs> None of that. Jesus looks, he sees us, and they cannot ever come apart from me. I give of my whole self for them. And now in him, we can say, I don't have to live that way anymore. I don't, run, I don't have to run after those false things anymore. I don't have to add those things anymore. I am free in Christ. And Paul graciously uses the example of errant leaders on the Cretan church to identify a path that is leading away from the gospel. And he essentially is saying, don't go there. Right? So the church is to live opposite the world and the false teaching of myth and Ritual. The very next verse, it's in chapter 2. It says, but as for you, that's to Titus and to the church, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And this is the truth that silences the lie. Are you ready? This is our hope. 
Titus is called to sharply rebuke, to repudiate the error of rejecting the truth and to instead call the false teachers to repentance, right? That they would be sound in faith. And he's to do so by teaching what is appropriate to sound doctrine, what accords with the gospel and the announcement that Jesus has brought the reign of God to our world through his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. And that is really good news that they're to be anchored in and to live from. Love how Tim Keller used to describe the gospel. He said, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Hallelujah. Paul says it this way. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We just get to go and live now in Christ, the one who justifies us by his sacrifice. The unpolluted gospel that God loves us in our imperfection because of Christ's righteousness has been applied to us, and that holds the only true hope for turning to God ourselves. And it silences the lie of self and makes us confident that we are actually his. Like Becca was saying, like thanking the Lord for this church where we can come together and remind each other because we forget it during the week. We've talked about this before, but I'm the worst. I fall into habits of sin and I'm like, I, am I even saved? Right? And then I sing with you guys. And it's a reminder that, yes, I am, because it's not my behavior, which should be getting better, absolutely. But my justification is in the finished work of Jesus, not my ability to live up to some standard or to add something to it. And I don't care if I'm the only one that gets excited about that truth. I might be the only one that needs it. But if you do too, know that it's not your behavior, your success, your ability, what you achieve, but Christ that frees you. Well, at least I'm getting mm-hmmms, right? That's better. We're getting there. Woo, doggy. This is the, is it, what's this Sunday? So the 15th. So nine years ago on the, it would have been the 19th, but that's coming up. This church voted unanimously to call me to be their pastor, to come and preach this gospel. And I can only imagine if after nine years, I'm at least getting, mm-hmm, give it another nine. Woo. We might be ready. Woo. Here, yeah, come on, dairy, come on. Here's what Paul says to the Galatian church. In the same way, we also, when we were children, where we were enslaved to the elementary principles of 
the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. Mm -hmm. And this is a sound doctrine that is to shape the life of the church. This is what Paul desires to be communicated on Crete and what the church will be built by, that they teach to one another this truth of the gospel that we hold firm to and that we proclaim in rebuking false teaching that everyone may be sound in the faith. And our hope is not self as God or self as Savior, but instead it is Jesus who gives his life to secure ours for eternity, who calls us to bring the peace of hope in him everywhere that we are, to be the fragrance of Christ in our cities. It's in this hope that we experience forgiveness and freedom from the tyranny of sin in our lives. It's in this hope that we stir on each other to that which Jesus has prepared for us ahead of time. And it's in this hope that we invite others in to be freed from the lies of self, both religious and worldly. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our boast is Christ. Our hope is Jesus. But as for you, Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Just live in light of the gospel, free, fearless, and faithful to him. The good news of Jesus silences the lie of self as Savior and gives us hope for eternal living. That's what you're doing right now. You are existing in eternal life, called to belong to Christ. You are his now and forevermore, and you get to live free. Isn't that glorious? I mean, that's what I'm going to do. If you want to hang out, let's do it, right? So what, what do we do with this text, <laughs> right? Hold firmly to the trustworthy message. Friends, oh, this is an invitation just to repent of the lie of self. Believe in Jesus that he gave his life for you, and that was enough. And the way to silence disinformation is to be more acquainted with the truth. So just dive deeper into the gospel. That's always what we come back to. What is this scripture, wherever we are, proclaim of Christ is either that is that is to come or that it has been fulfilled. Paul will say, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't fall for the lie of self. So hold firmly to that truth of the gospel. And then just remind each other, right? Sing to each other, stir one another to eternal living in union with Christ. Remind each other who we are in Jesus, that you are as safe and secure as Jesus is. All the charges against you have been dropped. And preach the gospel to yourself and to each other when we forget. Can somebody text me Tuesday at about noon? I will have forgotten, right? So remind each other. And then just tell somebody in need of hope. 
It isn't quite to the place of needing a reminder, but needs the proclamation of hope first. Because the purpose of church in Titus is to broadcast the good news of Jesus by how we live and how we use our relationships, how we use our voices for the good of others. And the gospel takes root where we least expect it, even on Crete. Brother Charles Spurgeon said, he said, this was bad soil, but it had to be plowed, sown, and with an almighty God at the back of the gospel plower and sower, a fruitful harvest came even to Crete. He says, depend upon it. God can bless his word anywhere, even in 2023, even in godless California, so they say. The good news of Jesus silences the lie of self as Savior and gives us hope for eternal living. Friends, be hopeful. It's really good news that Jesus has you. The finished work of Jesus is not clickbait. It is the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternity. And may we be a people sound in the faith that others would see and savor Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we don't even have the words to, to clearly articulate how good this news is. This gift of forgiveness, of righteousness, of um, identity in you. Lord, we confess we are prone to believe the lie of self, that our justification requires work on our behalf, but we uh, repent of that and turn from that afresh today and cling to that which accords with sound doctrine, that it's by your life, death, resurrection, and ascension that we have hope we have salvation and that this moment we are as secure as you are seated with you in the heavenlies help us to live from that truth free setting aside the weights that cling so tightly and run this race looking to you that you've called us to run that others would hear that others would smell and see you 